Hi everyone, Steve Perriman again on the Steve Perriman podcast, ably assisted by Tom. Welcome, Tom and Howard. Hi. Um, it's been a fair amount of time since the last uh, podcast involving Gary Stevens, and what a good reaction, by the way, there was to that. Didn't we enjoy having him, chaps? He was fabulous. <laughs> nice man. Very uh, nice man's not a good good thing to say about someone is it it sort of feels like you haven't got anything else to say about him but anyway he's a nice man and and well versed and knows his stuff and living his life abroad and i did hear that you know normally single men go out to thailand to uh in search of women but i think on the strength of that podcast there's single women going out there in search of gary he, lo- he looks like he looks after himself, doesn't he? Doesn't he look after himself and, and looks, again, enjoying life. So well well done to him. So there is life after Tottenham and English football after all, isn't there? So, um, so yeah, um, what, what have you been up to, chaps? Howard, what have you, you, you've been to a special birthday party today, I hear. I have indeed. My granddaughter's seventh birthday. Ah, that's your, you have two grandchildren and she's the youngest of the two. She's the youngest. She was born seven years ago today in Brilliant. Salt Lake City via surrogate, which is a whole story on its own. Wow. Yeah. Wow. She is was she... born with a passport. She was born with a passport, it's true. Is she, um, is she Spurs yet, Howard? Of course. How dare you even ask such a question? I didn't, I didn't doubt it for a second. <laughs> yeah. It's quite interesting because, you know, we've got a boy and a girl there. And we're supposed to ignore the genders at this stage and let them go their own way. But she is, from the second she was born, she's on into her dresses and all of that stuff. And the yeah. second he was born, he put a spur shirt on. So, well, very macho. Hmm. Very macho. And Tom, what about yourself? What have you been doing? You've had a, have you had a day in London? Uh, yeah, I've been in, been in the office today. My, um, my work is just off Brick Lane, uh, kind of, near Spitalfields, uh, popped out to meet my brother earlier for a quick pint, and um, I must have passed you on the way back to... Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> head, heading back west afterwards, Steve. Yeah, well, I've, I've been to a nice luncheon today, uh, close to Monument Station. That's, that's close to you, Tom, isn't it? Yeah. And um, with the Spurs theme, it was a luncheon attended by mostly Spurs supporters, but I don't think you had to be one. And um, the guests were me, uh, Gary Mabbert, Mabsy, and Big Chiv, Martin Chivers, and hosted by Paul Coit. So it was a, a mm. particularly nice lunch and uh, good to meet Spurs supporters in any situation, but especially on a Friday lunchtime when the sort of working week is over and you've got Bank Holiday Monday to look forward to and especially a Spurs result to look forward to at the weekend. So everyone had a nice time. Really interesting to hear uh, about Mabs's sort of medical situation at the moment and what he's been through. And and yet, uh, apparently there was a blockage of about 95% in his his neck. And yet 
Mabsy says he felt the same after once it had been done as he had done before the operation. But anyway, it must have done him some good to get that cleared. And uh, and Chiv, Chiv actually told an interesting story about his, his injury, Howard, that you would particularly know about that he got um, playing for Spurs not so long after he joined. Do you remember that? Yeah. Um, I think there's a couple, I think. I think it's the famous story that when he, when he first joined, Bill Nick said to him, he was, he was doing really badly, and Bill Nick put him in the reserves and said to him, watch Jeff Hurst, that's what I want. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I remember that story. Uh, but this injury that he got, where his kneecap cap yeah. was up by his, by his groin, mm. and... Um, it just in training, it just fell awkward or something happened. Mm. And um it was out in the end, he was out eleven months with it. Yeah. And struggled a bit with his confidence, and all of a sudden it changed in one game. And he was saying how how kind the Spurs supporters were to him in mm. the period where he'd lost his confidence because they knew the, the depth of the, the injury. And I think he scored two goals against um, mm-hmm. Gordon Banks. Gordon Banks for Stoke. And it just went from there. And then, you know, at some point I came into play. And I remember the two years where Chiv had where, it, you know, basically when he got clear from the halfway line, you almost didn't have to back it up because you were so, so confident that he was going to score. So it just shows you that how how an injury can affect your your the flow of your game and of your development, but then eventually you get back on it. And um, Steve, Steve, we should mention at this stage maybe Oliver Skip, who's um, yes. Mm-hmm. Now what what's his injury, by the way? Uh, well, he's he's gone off. He's had surgery in America this week, and he's out for the rest of the season. Wow! But, but should be due back at the beginning of next at the beginning of next season. Um, yeah. But you know he's he's someone who has shown a a lot of you know a, a lot of potential in that very team, much so both both under Nuno and 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 under um, Conte Conte obviously clearly liked him as well a real yeah. shame for him that he got injured at that point and we thought he was only going to be out for a short while but it's actually turned out to be a big injury so hopefully he comes back with the same yeah. um, same same kind of reception from the from his teammates in his last season. Isn't that how he ended last season? I know he was with Norwich. But yes, you're right, actually, yeah. Games? Yeah, I think you're right. Did he? Did he? Yeah. yeah. And he's just signed a new contract. Yeah. He has. He has. So that shows um, a lot of faith in him from the club, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think he's nailed on Conte, a Conte player, who yeah. likes consistency of effort. And, um, you know, he's no slouch on the ball by any means. And um, you you know what you're getting out of that type of player, and and I think we all have agreed in the past that he's a potential captain of the yeah. club going down the line. Okay, let's not sort of force it at the moment, but he looks like he's he's a he's a made of that sort of stuff. So, and he's come through the ranks, and he's come through the ranks, and and, and that's again, what we love to see. Again, I think that's vitally important that the cap the captain of the club knows the feeling of the supporters and and 
you get that feeling when you are growing up in the younger teams and you're watching games and you're listening to the crowd and you're the oohs and the ahs and the that's not good enough. You having brought up through the ranks, you you certainly I I certainly knew how they felt. And it was my job as captain to pass that their feeling onto our players. And it's not like I'm saying to our players, you lot are crap. I'm doing all right, but you lot are crap. We are crap on this particular first half or whatever. And um, but you it takes someone to sort of realize where the crowd sit with this current performance. And uh, okay, the crowd is not always right about everything. Of course not. But you get the general feeling of they think we should attack more or they're feeling nervous every time we can see the corner. They think we're going to concede. So, um, so yeah, we had the disappointment of two games, uh, Brighton and Brentford. I haven't been so disappointed for such a long time after after Brighton. And that was all about the sort of expectancy level that had been built up by us all in our own head, really, with a, with a great run of results, wasn't it? Yeah. So um, do, do you like the, the the pair of you? Do you like the Brighton manager? I, I particularly do. He's, I think he's, he's a clever guy. Yeah, he seems an intelligent guy. He seems to know what he's doing and what he wants from the players. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think if if Brighton had, had a striker at all last year, they'd have been much higher on the table. Yeah, yeah. He certainly worked our game out, didn't he? He did big Tom. time. Yeah. He did, and I think that 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 Brighton game was, it, you know, it, it was such a it was a sunny Saturday day, Saturday afternoon. We were kind of going along just after multiple, you know, big big wins in the last few games. Uh, turned up at Tottenham on a Saturday, sun shining, and you're just kind of like ready to kind of like get that result and crack on in the top four. And uh, yeah. and Eddie did a number on us. They, um, yeah, we 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 didn't look particularly up for it. But yeah. whether there's any kind of complacency about the way we approached the game, who knows? But um, they they played very well. We never really liked scoring. I don't think we had a shot on target. And. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, it, it it came out of nowhere because it was really starting to have. We, we were really approaching approaching that game with some good vibes, and uh, yeah. and, and afterwards it was just God, yeah. that's gone. Yeah, and interestingly, the one of the one of the few chances we had. Howard, do you remember the the chance we had Come near on. the end of the game? Long ball, yeah, fighting ball for Harry, a fight ball. In the box, yeah. and he gets a half a header on it. I don't think he he sort of made it go down <laughs> to to our player, and Bergwin sort yeah. of miscued the the shot, didn't he? Past the post. But you know when when you spent all game trying to play through a team that is sort of not working, it okay. You don't want panic to set in. Of course not. You don't want to overdo the long stuff. But now and again, you know, two of the four goals at Aston Villa yeah. were off the back of a long ball, weren't they? The, the magnificent sort of Gilly to Greaves came, came to song. That is the glance, wasn't it? This just made glance, it amazing. The look and the glance header and the, the, the run through and the finish. 
But even the first goal, when, when we weren't playing great, was a second ball, wasn't it, that came yeah. back to us. So, so I think there's a bit of a clue there that we mustn't get sort of, we mustn't overdo the short goal kicks out to players. And, and on a certain day when we don't look right, this, this is what I'd like to get onto. You know, the, the, everyone comes out after the game and say we lacked, we lacked tempo and we lack this and we lack that. But, but tempo is the normal word used. And the television, for instance, say Conte will sort this out at halftime. Well, my view is why does it have to be sorted out half time? If, if there's 20 minutes to go before half time, that's 20 minutes wasted. So I think that, I think there's two players that should be responsible for making sure that we're, we've got the right tempo about us. One is the goalkeeper for two reasons. One, because he's the keeper and two, because he's the captain. I think so many things end up with the goalkeeper in play, he saves it, he gets the ball back to him, he then feeds it. He he should be, I'm not talking about Loris particularly, but it's Loris in this situation. He can add tempo to the situation. For instance, you see the um, the amount of times goalkeepers take the tempo out of the game yep. when the dope at Everton playing at Liverpool kept diving on the floor okay that's going to the opposite to what I'm talking about I'm saying that we should add to the to the tempo via those, that means how funny and, how funny was Alisson at the end there with his little uh... oh, that was great that was great and and I I think that looked um that looked childish on behalf of that goalkeeper childish it's it was immature and it was if if people again back on an old theme but if people want to tell me that's game management and that's clever can you imagine bill nicholson telling pat jennings to dive on the floor pat jennings would be picking it up and aiming the ball to cyril knowles whose first touch of the ball would be over the halfway line do you know what i mean and so um and the other one i think should add to a tempo is and because his position is middle of a back three is eric dyer and because he's the middle of the back three a lot of things go back to him to then start again and that position can add tempo to it so i don't think there's a there's a, a case for well, let's leave it to the manager to sort it out half time. You know, if we start out tempo of, say, a disappointing five out of ten, I don't see any reason why we can't get to a seven off our own back. Yeah. We've got an experienced team, after all. The goalkeeper, the goalkeeper's won a World Cup. And he's captain. And, and Dyer, Eric, has been an international footballer who can play and, and has, has, has lived in the midfield sort of jungle. So, of course, he can add tempo to it. So, even if they just take it from a five to a seven and leave it to 
Conte at half time to push it up to eight or nine of the expected level. So, um, so yeah, that's my my little grumble at the minute. I'm sure, I'm sure Conte knows what he's doing. I'm absolutely sure. And um, but I just want some of the players actually on the pitch to take a bit of responsibility as they take responsibility for other things of defending correctly or getting out in the right manner. Part of that's got to be the tempo one. So, um, so yeah. Um, and then of course that, that disappointment was followed up by Brentford and how good was Ericsson? Exactly what we need out. Yeah. Tell us, tell us why, what does he do that we haven't got? He's the missing link between midfield and the forwards. He's, um, he can find, he can find a player. He can find a player that's being marked. Yeah. And, uh, Mabsy said it today that when he first came, I think he, he finished this, his first season top goal scorer with Archie. Right. I need to check that, but that's what Mabsy said. I'm not suggesting he was lying about that. And the reason was because he runs into the box and Glenn Hoddle find him. kept finding him. Yeah. <laughs> and we have, to, we have the same thoughts about Ericsson, don't we? If you make the right run, he'll find you. Hmm. Yep. And it seems as though... From midfield, we're good at finding space when we're being attacked. And then we win it, and then we've got like half a field to yeah. pass the ball in. But we're not great at the smaller distances mm. of finding people. So, um, Ericsson Eric, Eric, also has that ability to just like smash in a, a goal at the end as well. Like, do you remember the, um, the, first, uh, the first few games at the new stadium? We played Brighton. Yeah. And we really struggled against Brighton in exactly the same way as we struggled against them the other day. And yeah. uh, and and Ericsson picked up the ball in the last few minutes and um, smashed the ball in. Uh, yeah. And we won 1-0 at the very end. And we don't necessarily have that in the midfield at the moment in terms of that ability in the central in the, in, in the yeah. central midfield that Ericsson used to provide. Um, at the same time, I almost wonder, like, you know, when he went to Inter, Conte didn't necessarily have a place for him. Yeah, um, I'm not sure they got on actually. They didn't, by the sound of it. I don't know that, but I'm not sure. Yeah, but... some vibes went on somewhere. But um, but you know, he's yeah, Conte doesn't necessarily have this kind of like number ten player in his system mentality. No. But um, but 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 Ericsson earned that place in in the Inter team in his second season and uh, ended up becoming part of that winning. The other thing with him, the, the commentators always talk about him being a great dead ball kicker, and I don't think he is. His, his number of goals he scores from direct free kicks or other dead balls is is quite low. Yeah, but what he has got is a delivery on a corner kick, yeah, which he proved three times in the first half against us, didn't he? That yeah. went direct to the far post. Yeah. And, and I, I think with his knowledge of Harry Kane, Harry Kane takes the sort of the near post area. And any club doing their homework should miss Harry Kane out. 
because yeah. I think he's our best header of the ball defensively. And Ericsson knows that. So three things went to the far post for a free header back across. And, and then I have another sort of little thought about if Harry's missed out over his head, what's his next movement? He can't just stand where he happened to be when the first corner came in. That's not necessarily now the right position. I think he should make his way back to the line. And when I was thinking this, he eventually cleared one, not quite off the line, but definitely a more defensive position. So um, just something I noticed, but... Um, but yeah, and um, we've had lots of uh, lots of anniversary type birthday things going on. Uh, Kulu, twenty two years of age. Mm. Twenty two. Wow. Um, I was saying to Mabsy today about him, and he, Mabsy thinks that, that he's got a bit of Tony Galvin in him in terms of not being that easy on the eye but produces productive. Yeah. He produces. And, um, and I was thinking, and you've maybe got the answer. What I like the Swedish mentality. I like, they're a bit boring, the national team, but I like the fact I believe they can get a draw against anyone. Um, at international level because of mentality, who was the last Swedish player that we had in our squad? Harry Gedman. Yes, Howard. Well done. What do you remember of him? Uh, I think he was a very solid player. Um, but the, the thing, probably the last game he played was up at Anfield and he smashed in a ball from 35 yards. Wow. Wow. At Anfield? At Anfield. Yeah, I must have been out of the country on that one because I can't remember it, but I should remember it, it for it such may, a goal. It may, I'm going to send you a link to it right after this, Steve, because it's Please. just such a wonderful goal. It was like literally like near the halfway line, wasn't it, Howard? He just yeah. like, picked it yeah. up and smashed it. And um, and what was the score of that game? It was 2 all. Oh, we lost. No, no, no. No, it was 2 yeah, all. You're quite right. Yeah, it was a draw. Yeah, wow. no, we were, um, I think... Robbie Keane scored a scored a goal as well. We we took the lead twice and they uh, they cut us back. Hippia scored a really good goal in that game as well. Did he? Um, but um, yeah, it was an absolutely ridiculous, ridiculous strike. So yeah, one, one way you're just like, what are you doing? Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah. I think but, Glenn did it finally in the season announced as well. Yeah. Glenn scored a long, long shot. Yeah, he did. That's right. And where yeah. did he go after Eric? He went to he went to Wigan and. Um, he unfortunately had the uh, the uh, his, his final ever game. It, well, his final game at White Hart Lane was uh, actually in the Wigan team that lost nine one oh. uh, to us when Jermaine Defoe decided to go and score five goals. Um, but yeah, he was uh, he was he was left back in that team that day, so uh, he didn't really get a very positive send off, unfortunately. But that, that must hurt when you go when you revisit your one of your old teams definitely to, to suffer that that beating so um so yeah i want to pay credit to um exeter city for their promotion so well done to matt taylor and his staff matt taylor's the manager uh 
and Julian Tag, who's a particular friend of mine and, and partner in crime when myself, him and, and Tiz were sort of leading the charge. They've secured the promotion um, from the second division to the first. And um, so well done to all my friends that are still there. Really pleased for your success. Now see if you can go and win the league outright because they're now level points with, mm. I think, Forest Green. So very, very well done to them. Um, there's a couple of um, about couple of things about ex-staff or John Fennelly, for instance, who I sometimes call John Felony, much to his displeasure. And um, but he's going to retire at the end of the season. So good luck to you, John, and thank you for all your efforts. I particularly enjoyed working with him. Um, he was the press officer when I think there was just one press officer and and a sort of a girl assistant. Uh, and I think now there's a staff of about 13 or 14 in that department, which tells you about how the game's going. Um, but yeah, uh, and I think he's ended up working part-time there as the historian so, um, so well done, John. Um, you know, again, enjoyed working with you and Kim. Send you her regards as well. And Kim's uh, knowledge of another uh, staff was uh, Peter Barnes. She was assistant secretary to Peter when he was the secretary of the club, and he had a funeral, um, passed away, unfortunately. It was a very classy funeral, I'm told, in Chingford. We couldn't go because of other other things, um, but so well attended. And um, yeah, Peter was a, a good man and uh, had, had his fingers in a lot of pies. I'm talking of not in business, of, of different sports. I think he was secretary of the local cricket club. And and first time I come across him, he was secretary of Orient. So, uh, but another good man and... The first job he had at uh, Tottenham was uh, assistant secretary to Peter Day. Hmm. So that happened to be in a good spell for us as a club and, and some trophies and stuff. So, so yeah. Um, uh, this week was the sort of anniversary of the great Jimmy Greaves being sent off in the semi-final, the Cup Winners' Cup. First leg, thankfully, so he could play in the final. Um, can you imagine Jimmy Greaves getting sent off, kicking someone? I suppose it must have been retaliation. Uh, uh, an anniversary of Mickey Hazard scoring the winning goal against Hadjik Split. Um, I've read about birthdays today. Martin Chivers, I think, was yesterday. And the great John White. Um mm was born, I think it was today, many years ago. So um, what a player he was. Not that I witnessed it. Did you, Howard? Did you see him play? I saw a couple of games that he played, but I was too, really, I was too young to understand yeah. how special he was. Yeah. And, and tragically died on the, on the golf course, golf didn't course. he? Playing with Cliff Jones. Cliff Jones at uh, uh, Cruz Hill, I think. I think there's yeah. a, a bit of a memorial there for him. Yeah. This so... There's a lovely book written by uh, Julie Welsh and John's son, Rob, 
uh, ah, called, the, called the ghost. The ghost yes, mm. I've read, read it. Yeah, no, yes. it's wonderful. Rob, Rob's a lovely guy. He's. Mm. Um, uh, I think Rob's involved in the Tottenham Trust, isn't he? Yes, he is. Brilliant. So, I'm gonna be with the Tottenham Trust in sometime in the future. I should know the date, but I don't because there's too many dates swirling around in my head. You're, you're, you're joining them for the for the uh, Antwerp barbecue. Antwerp uh, barbecue, uh, that's uh, right. Antwerp, Antwerp Arms at the end of May. They've tried to secure me many times. <laughs> I think I've been a bit too expensive for them in the past. <laughs> but they've managed to get me down to petrol money. <laughs> which is great so uh be a pleasure to uh to meet up with them all and um give them some of my thoughts about the club and how it is and the respect level and all of that stuff so Aussie is when when I mentioned the luncheon that I went to today I got the feeling that I was a reserve for Aussie obviously Aussie's recovering yeah. from this heart thing so no bad thing to be a reserve for a world cup winner um more than honored to have, have filled in for him uh but ozzy is you know all the medical opinion of him is he's doing great ozzy's feeling better than ever he had his best day yesterday and even today he was feeling better than that and uh has just been warned don't overdo it yeah and also stay clear of covid which means don't get too involved with outsiders visiting you and stuff like that. So, so all good news. Um, yeah. So thank you very much for your attendance again, chaps. Been interesting to listen to you. I've got the feeling I've been talking too much, but there you go. It's sort of, it's sort of out of tiredness because I am tired. I was up early and it's been such a long day, but um but yeah, thanks for your involvement as ever. And um, let's see how we can get on against those Leicester boys um, on Sunday. And then, of course, the Arsenal play West Ham after. Yeah. Any um, any predictions there or, or influences to that those games, you think? I'm thinking um, I'm thinking we're going to turn it on against Leicester. I think uh, I, th- I, th- I think three one, and then West Ham Arsenal. I think West Ham will maybe raise their game. Hopefully, Ooh. because I mean, the, <laughs> I mean, we know Chelsea rolled over for them the other day, and uh, yeah, but Man United should have should have got a result against Arsenal. I think. Mm-hmm. I think. I think. I think Arsenal's everything. Last... Every everything went Arsenal's way, didn't it? It did, and I, I think didn't that, see it. It did. Everything went their way, and I think the luck's going to run out this weekend. And uh, in our next podcast, we'll be saying, damn it, didn't happen. <laughs> um, you're going on Sunday, Howard? Yep, absolutely. Um, Good. Terry, you know, he's coming to do this with her sister. Brilliant. Brilliant. Oh, so you've got an interesting weekend there. Mm. So Viv, we'll find out if Viv's the lucky charm or not. See what's she your go, um she didn't go to Brentford, but she did go to Brighton. Yeah. See what's your um dinner on Sunday with the um aortic. Oh yeah, so I'm going to Wimbledon Theatre. 
Yeah, yep. I'm going to Wimbledon Theatre. I'm going to meet up with all the people who are now going to be my colleagues as a, uh, what is it, a patient ambassador for the Aortic Dissection Charitable Trust. And on Sunday, uh, Whispering Bob Harris, who's also a patient uh, ambassador, He's doing a gig with Danny Baker, who's mm. got football connections, hasn't he? He's got, was he a Millwall man, Danny Baker? Yep, yep. But very funny when I've heard him. He was the one who comes up with the, on, I think I, I did an interview there once, maybe Five Live or Radio Five. And he asked questions like, um, Steve, if you're having a bacon sandwich on a Sunday morning, bread or brown sauce? <laughs> It's different. Never been asked that before. Um, and of course, it's brown sauce. Of course. Who, who, who has anything different to that? But his other one was, if you come out of your house to post a letter, do you turn left or right? Vital stuff. Everyone needs to understand. Oh, absolutely. So I'm really looking forward. We're going we're gonna to eat first in uh, somewhere in Wimbledon. And then... Um, meet up with with Catherine and her colleagues so I'm more than anxious to meet them and see what how I can help in the future so um, so yeah listen to this space for more more information about this particular um, ambassadorial role for Mr Perryman great thanks for your yeah up the spurs and let's go and get a result and um, yeah give my regards to your two families please and see you soon. Come on, you Spurs! Ah. <laughs> <laughs>